take your Bible, turn with me tonight to the book of Job, the book of Job, if you would please. And uh, we'll consummate <clears throat> these series of Job. I've had all of Job I can handle. <laughs> I'm going to start preaching on rejoicing and having a good time and revival and hallelujah and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier to, to handle that than it is some of that other stuff. Take your Bible now. Follow with me. Boy, I tell you, I am rejoicing over the great message this morning and uh, the great service and all the folks we had here. You never know, you never know uh, what the Word of God is going to do to a heart. You just, it, God sends it forth and it, God's in charge of applying it and, and uh, convicting and converting and concentrating and consecrating and, uh, and so just a great message to a great crowd I'm glad I was here today I really was now let, take a look in, in the book of Job I want to just bring you up to date where we are uh, I want to talk to you about uh, Job's reaction to a wreck in his life remember I talked to you uh, the other night about surviving a crash. You remember that? And I went home and crashed. And uh, you need to, we need to know how to survive a crash. We need, we need to know how to handle it when things don't go just exactly like we want them to. Or somebody does not act exactly like we think they ought to act. And so tonight, I thought I'd just talk to you about... Uh, do you think Job ever asked the question or ever felt like asking the question, why? Amen. When things discomforting and things disturbing, things that hurt, things you don't understand, come your way unannounced, do you ever have the temptation to say, why? You see somebody with a lot of money and you're broke. Somebody with a happy family and, and yours is just about to blow up. Somebody with health, not serving God, raising Cain, living for the devil. And you're serving God and you're so sick you can't hardly stand it. Do you ever ask the question... Are you tempted to ask the question, why? Today I was watching Tiger Wood hit a golf ball. I went to my, my bathroom, got a big mirror. I pulled off my shirt. I looked in the mirror. I said, why? He's hitting a pitching wedge farther than I can hit a driver. Why? I'm pretty as he is. Kind of lighter complexion. But God should not be showing any preferential treatment. I like to hit a golf ball as well as he. 
The only problem is when I swing my club, I'm still standing too close to the ball. Don't tell me you never asked why. When you were a child, when mom and daddy said, do this. Now, you probably didn't ask them why. But there's a great big why flew up before your face. Why? Reminds me of those little why jokes we used to see about kids. And I found three of them today. Just in case I don't say anything that helps you, at least I'll try to entertain you a while. Little girl said, Mommy, Mommy, why is Daddy running away? Mama said, shut up and help me reload this shotgun. (laughs) Little boy said, Mommy, Mommy, why am I always going around in circles? Mama said, shut up or I'll nail your other foot to the floor. (laughs) Why? Right? Little boy said, Mommy, Mommy, why are we pushing the car over the cliff? Shut up, you might wake daddy up. <laughs> Why? Don't you dare tell me. You've never asked why. And I kind of believe, as after I've read the book of Job a little bit and, and, and settled around in it, I kind of believe that Job might have possibly, at one time or another, felt like asking God why. Verse 1 of chapter 1, the Bible said, There was a man of the land of Oz named, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And you know the rest of the chapter. I preached you a message one night entitled, What in Heaven is Going On? What in Heaven? Is going on. Job had no idea there was a meeting going on in heaven. Job had no idea that the main subject of conversation was Job. Job had no idea that the God he loved and served diligently and and absolutely excitingly. Job had no idea that the God he loved was initiating a conversation with the devil. And the conversation went something like this. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the world. He is perfect. He is upright. He is cheweth evil. And Satan said, yes, but I'm telling you something, Lord. The only reason Job is faithful, the only reason he's serving you, the only reason he's honoring you is because you've blessed him. And you have a hedge built around him and all that he has. That's great news tonight. That the devil can't get to us except the God of this universe lifts the hedge and allows him to. Every mom and daddy tonight ought to be praying a hedge around their boys and girls. Every mom and dad tonight Ought not to be praying in any other way except, dear God, just build a hedge around them until they get enough sense to act right and enough brains to act right. Dear God, keep a hedge about them so that they do not get out and the devil does not get in. Now you say, well, preacher, do you do that with your kids? I've got six. Some of them already drawing social security and I still ask God to do that. 
Amen. But if you lift that hedge, the devil said, if you lift that hedge and you remove your blessings from him, Job will curse you to your face. And God said, all right, everything he has is in your power. And the devil left. And we see in that text an unlikely candidate for trouble. We see in that message an unseen conflict going on in heaven just above our heads. We see in that sermon an unbelievable crisis. How would you like it if all you had, all you had managed to scrape together, all your investments, everything, your family, everything you had and you helped precious suddenly was gone in one day? Your finances, your financial standing, your children, and your wife looks at you and say, cuss God, you old booger, and go ahead and die. Now, I'm not so sure if I receive news tonight that everything I have got, all $10 of it, if I lost it all, somebody came and said, my six kids and all their wives and all of my grandkids had Died and been killed. I'm not so sure I wouldn't ask somebody why. I'm trying to serve God. Now some of you don't like the way I do it. But I'm doing it like I think God wants me to do it. And I'm trying to live to please God with every waking moment of my life. And I would ask God, I'm sure. Why me? I don't think I ought to, but I think I would. Well, that's not so bad, I guess. Would you look for with me, please, at verse number three of chapter two. The Bible said, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Second conversation. That there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and sheweth evil, and shall, and he, still he holdeth fast his integrity. Lost all of his money, lost all of his investment, lost all of his wealth, lost all of his kids, lost his family, and still he holds his integrity. Is that something or what? And the Bible said, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yea, all that he hath will he give for his life. But you put forth now and touch his bone and his flesh and will curse thee to thy face. And God said, let's just see if he will. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand. But now notice who's in control. All that he has in thy hand, but save his life. God is still in control. So Satan went forth 
from the presence of the Lord and smote, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. I wonder whatever happened to boils. Do you know anybody that's... Man, when I was a kid, boils was a common thing. Everybody had boils. And you always had boils where it wasn't comfortable to have boils. And buddy, they hurt. Have you ever heard the saying, sore as a boil? You know what that means? Boils are sore. And they get all infected and pulsy. And man, you touch them and you just want to climb the wall. Now, Job did not have one boil. Job did not have two boils. Job had sore boils from the sole of his foot even to his crown. And he took him a potshed to scrape himself with all. He sat down among the ashes. How would you react? Man, that's got to be the final, final draw. I mean, what else can go wrong? Family's gone, wealth is gone, wife is gone, everything's gone. And now you've been smote with a sore from head to foot. And he's sitting in an ash heap with a piece of pottery scraping the infection and the pus off his own body. I don't know. But I might have asked, why? I know some of us would not, because of our spirituality, would not allow it. But I want you to know, Job has had a wreck. But Garth, it's good to have a helpmate. Verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. I'm sure she said that with love. I'm sure she was filled with empathy. When she said, oh man, just go ahead and cuss God and die. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we not receive good at the hand of, our, of God and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Man, what a guy, huh? What a guy. Well, thank God for friends. Amen. Aren't you glad for friends? And I, I, boy, I just want to introduce you to Job's friends. What a wonderful thing it is to have understanding friends. 
that when things go wrong and things go awry, they do not judge you. They, they do not pull the cork or they do not pull the trap door, but they're there to console you and comfort you. Nobody would ever say, if something were to happen to me, I've been expecting it a long time. I knew one day he'd get in trouble. Thank God for friends. Let's look at Job's friends. I mean, the Bible said now when, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place, Eliphaz, Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, and the Hemite, and, and they that made the appointment to gather to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes afar off, they knew him not. Can you imagine such a physical sickening sight? Best friends he had did not even recognize him. And they lift up their voice and wept. They ran off every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. How does Job? Respond. Why? The question, did it ever come to Job's mind to ask why? Look how Job responded. Chapter 3, verse 1. After this, opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night in which it was said, this man child, there's a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness, that not God regard it from above. Neither let the light shine upon it. Job sitting in all of this misery and all of this heartache, all of this heartbreak, a complete wreck of a human being Wrecked financially, wrecked domestically, wrecked physically, wrecked emotionally. And he sat down and he said, dear God, I wish I'd never been born. He said, dear God, if it's possible, just eradicate and erase, if you please, the day I was born out of history. Make it black as night. Cover it with clouds, dear God. Oh, dear God, just don't let it happen. You ever been there? A lot of us ain't got enough sense to pray like that. I think there's a lesson for us tonight. I really do. I think this story, probably the most ancient story in all the Bible, there is a consideration to the question, why? 
Why would God allow that? Have you ever thought of this? For his glory? You're not here for your benefit. You are not saved and redeemed, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and on your way of consecration to be made in the image of God's dear Son for your benefit and for your blessing. It's all about Him. Satan said, he'll curse you. God said, you want to bet? You take what he has, he'll curse you. God said, let's see. Do you think maybe God knew he wasn't to start with? God wasn't checking out Job. God was showing Satan something. God had no doubt about Job. He was perfect, upright, and he sheweth evil. He was the best man in all the east. God knew what kind of foundation Job had. God showed the devil something. I wonder tonight if in our life, God is trying to show somebody something by what we're going through, how we react, how we judge. I wonder maybe if God is checking our water tonight. Let me show you three things quickly if I could me. And uh, I'm not going to stay over two or three hours because I've been sick. Notice the first thing, the temptation in Job's life. We all are facing temptations every day. We all face temptation. Makes no difference who it is. When horrible things happen in the life of Job, being human like he was, it could have tempted Job to react in several different ways. I have a choice to be overcome or to be an overcomer. I have a choice of being a victor or a victim. I have a choice, bless your heart, of running the race to win or just running it because there's a race to be run. I believe with all of my heart tonight that Job had some temptations and I believe he had some opportunities, if you please. First of all, he could have heeded the advice of his so-called friends. Isn't it good to have friends? And the way you can always tell good friends is when trouble comes. When question comes about your character, question comes about your Christian walk, a a question comes, you can always tell your friends when you are in a dire need of a real friend. See, true friends are there to help us and comfort us every way that they can. But some friends think that when you have a problem, they think it's time to have a boot party. And everybody shows up to kick. Amen. Now, come on. 
And you say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? We're going to look at Job's friends. And Job was blessed in many ways, but it was not blessed with wise friends. Now, he was best with, blessed with so-called friends. He was blessed with friends, fair-weather friends. He was blessed by friends when everything was going wrong, right? But I wonder tonight how many of those friends were wise enough to realize Job had not caused any of this. Have you ever seen anybody make a mistake and somebody walk up and say, well, I've been expecting it. You know, that can be said of all of us because we're all sinners. <laughs> you know, huh? Well, I've been expecting it. You know, old Job sitting there, look at the pitiful mess he's in. And he's sitting there, if you please. And, and Job was blessed in many ways. And, and, but it's not with friends. And Job's friends make us think of the old saying, with friends like these. You know the rest of it. Fairweather friends. Notice Telephaz, if you would please. He, with a name like that, he's bound to be wise. Notice how he approached Job, if you would please. First of all, I'd like to show you that he flattered Job. He told him what a blessing he had been to him. He really buttered him up. Look at Job 4 and verse 3 and 4. We read, Behold, thou hast instructed many. <laughs> Don't that sound good? You're a great teacher, Job. Job, do you know how many folks you've instructed? How many folks you've won to Christ? How many folks you've discipled? Job, you have, you have instructed many. Thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Isn't that great? The words have upholded him that was fallen. And thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Flattery. I kind of get nervous when somebody starts bragging on me. Used to, when I sung a lot, they'd tell me what a good singer I was. I'd just go plug in one of my tapes, and that removed all doubt. Hmm? Flattery. Next, Eliphaz, that good friend of Job's, he flogged Job. There are people who will build you up so they can tear you down. You know that, don't you? The news media is that way. You know, they, they never bothered us until we had a little problem. Then they set up their camera out front and had their antenna out front and was looking for Wolfenbarger and everybody on the place was named Wolfenbarger. And the only guy they couldn't find was me because I sat in my sackcloth in my ashes scraping the boil. And they just build you. You know what? You know what the city of Joshua's police department thinks you are? A cult. Yeah, you're a cult. They said that place down there is so tight knit. And they love that preacher so much. They just support one another. I tell you, you just can't get to that crowd down there. They're a they're a they're a cult. That's a compliment compared to the city of Joshua. Can you say amen? Dear God, I'd rather see anybody tell me that I'm different from that crowd. And so after he had flattered him, he flogged him, if you please. Uh, Notice Job 4 and verse 5 through 11. 
But now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest. It touched thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished, been innocent. Job, the reason you're in them sackcloth and setting them in ashes and boils from head to toe and your family's gone and your wealth gone is you deserve it. Got any friends like that? Well, this is pretty good till I got there, I guess. Not only did he flatter Job, He flocked Job. Then he floored Job. You want some some friends like that? Notice chapter 5 and verse 13. I bet this is soothing to Job. They came to mourn and to comfort him. You remember that? Here's the comfort. He taketh the wise and his own craftiness. And the counsel of the forward is carried headlong. Verse 2, should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Job, you ain't nothing but a great big old sinning windbag. I bet Job just felt the comfort all over him. Got any so-called friends like that? See, Job could have listened to the friends. He got another friend. His name is Bildad. You notice that guy? Did did you notice that guy over there? He's a Mr. Know-it-all. It always comes out like this. I got this figured out. You ever heard that? I got this figured out. I got you figured out. I got that church figured out. In fact, I got everything figured out. A Mr. Know-it-all. Job 8 and verse 22, Bildad says that all of these things happened to Job because he had been a bad fellow, a sinful individual. We read, they that hate thee shall be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked shall Come to naught, Job. You know why your family's gone? Your wealth is gone? Your health is gone? Because you're a low-down sinner. Those are comforting words. What they're doing is building upon the comfort they received from his wife. See, Job had the temptation of listening to his friends. If he'd listened to his friends... Job would have cursed God. If he'd have listened to his friend, Satan would have got the glory. If he'd have listened to his friends, I'll guarantee Job would be a statistic and not a champion for God. You listen to your so-called friends. People that don't know anything about the Bible. Next time somebody starts advising you, ask him where the book of Psalms that is found. 
Tell him, please show me that or her that in the book of Psalms. Well, I'm not a Baptist. Well, that's okay. Psalms not a Baptist book. <laughs> Just show me that in the book of Psalms. Watch him so-called friends. Bill Dad was an old. Hey, look at old Zophar. Now, I know he came to help him. Hey, Zophar, uh, with a name like that, uh, he was the prophet among Job's friends. He looked at the situation, simply told Job that he needed to repent of his sins and get right with God. And then things would not happen to him like that. In fact, he told Job that he was getting exactly what he deserved. Job 11 Verse 1 through 7. We read. Then answered Zophar. The Nehalthite. And said should not the multitude of words be answered. And should a man full of talk be justified. Do you think maybe he's telling Job he's talking too much? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? Well he called his friend a liar. And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed. For thou hast said, my doctrine is pure. I am clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee. If God spoke, he would let us know. And that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom. That thou art double to that which is. Notice. Know therefore that God exacteth on thee less than thy iniquity deserves. You like friends like that? Well, you're getting what you deserve. You're a stinking, rotten, no good sinner. You deserve it. Well, now in God's eyes, he's perfect, upright. In God's eyes, he's perfect, upright. He's true as evil. In God's eyes, he's the greatest man in all the East. And his three men, three friends... Have come by to comfort him and have dressed him down spiritually. I'll guarantee if that is not a hurting situation, you never had one. Wait till your friends come by and tell you you deserve what you got. Wait till your friends come by and put some kind of requirement. On friendship. I'll be your friend. As long as you don't look to the east. I'll be your friend. As long as you don't look to the west. I'll be your friend. As long as you don't look down. All of my friendship. And all of my love. And all of my adoration. Is contingent. Upon what I think. You ought to do. And here Job, if ever he needed a consoling word, if ever he needed a comforting thought, the best thing those guys did is when they sat down and shut their mouth for seven days and seven nights. And if they just kept their mouth shut, consolation needs no words. Comfort needs no touch. Comfort just needs you to be there. But oh, they were just so opinionated. Well, there's one more friend. His name is Elihu. 
He's a big blabbermouth. He spent five chapters telling Job how great God was and did not give Job an answer to anything. You know, some folks are that way. It takes 10,000 words to just give you one simple thought. Huh? Well, temptation was he could listen to his so-called friends. You have any so-called friends? I'm talking about friends who don't go to church with you. Friends that don't love your church like you do. Friends who don't love God like you do. But they're always trying to give you advice and trying to stir you in a direction such as such. And they're always out there, always have the answer. And always uh, there in your dilemma. They're always there. So-called friends. You ever have any of those? And the temptation is to listen to them. But Job didn't, thank God. Then he had the temptation of just forsaking God. Nothing in the world will put you in a tailspin like the death of loved ones. Hmm? Illness and tragedies. All have the power to create a bitter spirit in us. Because sometimes when those things happen to us, we just feel like we don't deserve it. Well, I ask you tonight, did Job deserve it? What did Job do to deserve what's going on? Have you ever thought of this? You might be here for God's purpose and not yours. Do you ever think that maybe it's not your life, but it's someone else's? Have you ever thought that maybe God could do anything he wanted to? With what's his? And have you ever thought he might use the most unusual individual? And the most unusual circumstance? And the most unusual situation? To see if he gets get some glory out of our lives? Now we can listen to our friends. We can forsake God. But may, before you do, let me tell you this. Just as pressure and heat and time are needed to create diamonds, just as pressure, heat and time is necessary to create a diamond, so also pressure, heat and time is necessary to create a saint. A saint that will give God the glory. Well, preacher, you're old. Do you know that I was laying in a hospital bed and a good-looking nurse with my wife present said to me, I saw your age on your chart. You don't look that old. I said, shh, that's my wife. (laughs) Amen. 
Notice the temptation of Job's life. He could have heeded the advice of his so-called friends. He could have forsaken God. Could have say, but he didn't. Hmm? But he didn't. I'd say Job was probably reading Psalms 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, and 49. How long has it been since you read Psalms 40, 41, 42, 43, 46, 47, 48, 49? I'll tell you what, one night when you start having a pain in your chest and you break out with profusion, sweat, and dryness takes a hold of your mouth and throat and your chest starts hurting, you better have a psalm. Because your friends may not be there. But God always will be. Are you listening to me? You're going to have a wreck. God's going to make sure you have a wreck. Now, it may not be a severe wreck as Job had, but you're going to have a wreck. Because that's how God checks your water and checks your devotion and checks your commitment and checks your dependence, checks your testimony. Oh, the temptation. Notice, if you would be, the testimony of Job's life. I want to see this. Hurry now, because I want you to look at this. First of all, Job, he worshiped. Job 1 and 20. When things happen to you and wreck in your life comes in storming the front door and the wreck in your house and your family's upset and physically you're a wreck and everything going awry. The Bible said Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head, fell upon the ground and he worshiped. How does your worship go? Sitting in sackcloth and ashes. When you're overdrawn at the bank, and I know you're Baptist, and I know that don't happen, but if it should happen, and they call you and say, man, you're in the hole, you say, pardon me, just a minute, I'll be down there after I worship. Is that how we handle that deal? No, we worship in the living room. Wife, did you write another check? That's how we worship, right? But not Job. Job bowed his head and he worshiped. Not only did he worship, he witnessed. Notice in Job 1 and 21. And we read and he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. And the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, when trouble comes, don't depend on your friends. Have good friends is okay. And it's all right. But don't depend on friends. You must depend on the Lord. Can you say amen? Because you're his. You don't belong to your friends. Your friends will misunderstand. Oh, you'd be surprised how many attitudes you have, how I ought to handle situations in our church. 
Oh, you'd be surprised how many situations come storming at me. You shouldn't do this. You should do that. You don't talk to them. You don't act like that. You just shut up. You go to the office. Put your head in the commode. Flush it four times and come out and say, praise God. When trouble comes, your friends don't understand. No way. But when Job, life was a wreck. He worshiped. He witnessed. We love it when God gives. Do we not? How about when God takes away? My Bible said, naked came out of my mother's womb. I hope I'm not the first one that was born in overalls. Because that's what I wore all my young life. Overalls. Had a pair of nice ones I wore to church. And not so nice that I worked in. And when those I was working in got kind of shabby, then the ones that I wore to church graduated. And we bought another pair to go to church in. How many pair of overalls do you have? Two. Sunday, go to meeting clothes. Go to work clothes. Well, if all I had is two pair of pants, well, I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't like it. I didn't know there was three pair of pants. I just thought everybody had two pair of overalls. Huh? Man, it's nice being poor. You don't have all the problems of what goes on with trying to hang on to what you ain't got. Amen, buddy. I was glad I had Brogan shoes. Now, you don't know what Brogan shoes are. But I know what Brogan shoes are. You wear a pair of Brogan shoes to church. And then you got a pair of Brogan shoes you wear to the field. Now, when the ones that wears out, you're going to the field. We have another graduation. The Sunday meeting brogans now have become work brogans. And we go to the store and get a brand new pair of brogan shoes. You say, what is that? They're Sunday go to meeting work shoes. Isn't it amazing? He worshiped. He witnessed and he waited. Job 42 and 5. We read, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Now listen, don't, get, don't miss this. But now my eyes seeth thee. Got that? You know what we need to do? When something happens to us, we need to learn how to worship anyhow. And something happens to us, we need to be a witness. Brother Knight, laying in the emergency, 
I laid there on the bed. I had no idea I was sick as I was. The kids were over there watching the meter. They had told me what was on the meter. I'd have went ahead and died because I couldn't handle the pressure. But I thought it was a good time to talk to the nurses about our church and about the Lord. Now I wasn't, Alleluia. My eyes had not rolled back in my head and I got spiritual. Alleluia. I'd lay in there on that gurney. And I was talking to this lady. And I said, ma'am, where do you go to church? She said, well, I don't go to church right now. But we're looking. I said, could I recommend probably the healthiest and best looking pastor in all of the country? I didn't say healthy. I said best looking. She said, oh, really? Where do you pastor? I said, right up on top of the hill over there to the left. Uh, She said, we're from Virginia. My dad came down here. And my dad drove all over this country trying to find a church with a bus ministry. My dad came to your church, walked in the auditorium, saw all the buses, and came back and said, I found you a church. I said, now you know the pastor of the church your daddy found for you. Hurry up and come. There's no time for crying. And no time for feeling sorry for yourself. Because God is working on you. To make you what you ought to be. Took him a week or month. But I'm glad that sometimes when the wreck comes, it's a good time to be a witness and keep on worshiping and wait on him. He that wait upon the Lord shall renew his strength. Shall mount up with wings of evil. Shall not faint and not be weary. Is anybody glad of that tonight? Are you glad of that? I wish our kids could get a hold of that tonight. Uh, He waited on God. My Bible said in Hebrews, I'm closing. Wherefore saying he also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Well, the testimony of Job's life. I would like to have a reliable and God-honoring testimony in my life. When the roll is called up yonder, there'll still be some folk down here. And I sure hope that my life will keep speaking and keep speaking. And keep witnessing. And keep on keeping on. And maybe when you have a problem. And you have a care. And you have a worry. 
and you forget all about Job, you might be able to say, I remember the preacher. I remember what God sent him through. And I hope by God's grace that my life will still be a testimony of God's amazing grace. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Now look, I'm not going to make decisions to please you folk. I'm not even looking to. I'm not even wanting to. If I make a decision you don't like, just go butt a stump. Have a good time at it. Because I'm not pleasing anybody but him. So that when I sit down in the ashes, and when the ash heap comes, and when there's nothing but just a piece of pottery to scrape the boils, boy, I'd like to be able to say, naked, I came into the world. Naked, I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Oh, I love the Lord. Do you love the Lord tonight? Notice the triumph of Job's life. He realized something in Job 42 and verse 5 and 6. He realized this. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eyes seeth thee. Wherefore? I arbor myself and repent in dust and ashes. It's one thing hearing about Jesus. But it's another thing seeing Jesus by faith. Seeing him as he really is. And until we see him as he really is, we'll never see us. As we really are. Many of us are too big in our own eyes. And he's too small in our eyes. But when we see him. Oh we hear about him every week. Of this morning. What a wonderful message. It exalted the Lord. Exalted Jesus Christ. Oh we hear. We're so lucky to hear. One day we'll see him. It will be worth it all. Yeah. When we see Jesus, life, trials are all past. I kind of like to see Jesus. And like it for him to say, well done. Just well done. We were buying a Wolfenbarger tombstone. Not that we're going to use it in the next few days. We're just going to buy it to mark our little place down here on earth. You know, have you ever thought about what you'd like for your kids To be able to put on your tombstone. Just just a phrase. Just something that relates your character. Your Christian 
walk, your faithfulness. I just wonder what my kids, I've got six of them. And boy, they, they've probably had their best prayer life in the last week than they've had in a long time. Praying that I hope Dad's got insurance. Hope he's paid it up. I just wonder what God could write on Job's tombstone. Faithful, maybe? Faithful? Write that on Job's tombstone? Job realized something. I want to close with this statement. You said you, I thought you were sick. Well, I am, but I need to close. Job finally realized something. He realized that this is not about him. It's not about the devil. It's not about sickness. It's not about money. It's not about treasures. It's about God. Now, he hadn't realized that until right now. And Paul said it this way. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. You know the rest of it? Do all to the glory of God. Now, it's easy to glorify God when you're not hurting. It's easy to glorify God when you've got a lot of money in your bank. Easy to glorify God when Bush is in the White House. It's easy to glorify God before Obamacare kicks in. It's easy to glorify God when everything's going your way. Good to glorify God. You know, we just need to learn to glorify God all the time. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about Job. It's not about the devil. It's not about wealth. It's not about health. It's all about God's glory. Can you do that? Why, God? But Job, I'm glad you asked. Because I want the glory. Why would I lose everything? Because I need glory out of your life, Job. Why would you turn the devil loose on me? I need the glory, Job. I want the glory, Job. I created you for my glory, not your glory. My glory. You know why you're here? For God's glory. You know why this church is here? For God's glory. You know why you had kids? For God's glory. You know why you ought to raise your kids? For God's glory. You know why you ought to stay faithful, church? For God's glory. You know why you ought not put anything before God's church? For God's glory. Unto Him be glory in the church. World without end. World without end. Amen. Can anybody say amen? Amen. I don't care who's playing ball. I don't care who's got a mumble game party going on. I don't care who's playing golf. God don't get glory out of His children anywhere except in His house. On the Lord's day. His glory. His glory. Write it down. 
Don't forget it. Write it on your heart. God's not interested in cutting horses, ball games, golf games, car races. None of it. None of it. It's God's glory. God don't get no glory of guys breaking bats because they're hitting it on the grain and showing how big they are. They need to get better bats and surely, surely the Rangers can afford better bats. He said, preacher, you've just run a good sermon. Well, just checking your water. And if I've clabbered your milk, just wait till God gets through. 